Good morning again, Valley Bible Church. Um, I had one of those instances last night, maybe you've had it, where you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like, oh, it must be time to get up because you feel like you've been sleeping a long time. Then I looked over at the clock and it was 3.11 a.m. So we've been in 1 Timothy chapter 3, so naturally I take that as a sign from God that we are to focus on chapter 3, verse 8. No, no, that's not what we're doing. No, we, we don't do that at Valley Bible Church. We are, we have been in First Timothy chapter 3, um, but we're not going to focus on verse 11 this morning. We're going to just dip our toe in verse 8, the beginning of the qualifications of, of deacons, and we're with these words, deacons likewise. So we've been talking about the qualifications of elders, and we're going to be talking about the qualifications of deacons next week. But this morning, we want to look at how deacons arose. I'll show you a photo on the screen. Um, it says, The Trellis and the Vine. Um, back in the mid-2000s, there was a really good book that was written. That was the title of the book, The Trellis and the Vine. And you see this picture. This picture was actually taken in Jerusalem, Croatia. Jerusalem with a Z, Croatia. There's a Jerusalem there, the wine-growing uh, region where they grow uh, um, grapes for ice wine. That's another story altogether. But the, the idea of the trellis and the vine is, you, it, it is likened to the church, and it is a, an apt illustration. The vine, of course, is the living, growing thing of the church. We bring people to Christ, we bring them to maturity, we equip them to the work of service, the work of the saints, and they are expected to reproduce other disciples. And that goes on and on and on as this vine grows. It is a living and growing thing. The trellis represents the structure of ministry, and you have to have both of them. For instance, this is the 11 o'clock service. We have an 8 o'clock service, a 9.30 service, an 11 o'clock service. We have structure. This is a 70-minute service. We have Sunday school classes. We have nursery. We have um, all these people in the back doing technology. We have a building. We have a budget. All these things are the structure of the ministry of the church. In other words, this trellis that holds up the vine. In a vine that is growing, it, it's held up so that there's flow of air, so that there's better circulation of air and watering and fertilization and sun. Why? What's the purpose of all of that? To grow more grapes and as many grapes as possible to bear fruit. And the trellis and the vine are both necessary, but the trellis exists for the purpose of the growth of the vine, but the vine does not exist for the trellis. The trellis exists because of the vine. And it's easy to get it backwards. Many churches do. It's all about programs. It's all about budget. It's all about buildings. It's all about all the structural things, which, are, again, are important. But we always, always must keep in mind, foremost in our mind, that we are growing something that is living. It is a family of God. It is the vine. It is the body of Christ. And living things grow. So, rather than... 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 or 11, we are going to read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts 
chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And to give honor to the reading of his truth, would you please stand as we read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. The word of God. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. It's truth to us. Help us to glean from it how this affects us as a church body as a family of Valley Bible Church, how we can grow one another and grow the church that is this vine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to be looking at the qualifications of deacons beginning next week. We spent three weeks talking about the function of elders and their qualifications. But we want us to look at how did this office even come about? And Acts chapter 6 is really a prototype of this office, the forerunners of deacons. They're not called deacons, although the word servant is placed there many times. And the word deacon means, as I said when we brought Phyllis up, the word deacon means servant. It's simple. A deacon is a servant of God. And the office of deacon is mentioned two places. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, this is Paul beginning this letter, and he's writing with Timothy as well, and he says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. They're writing this letter to the Philippians, we're writing to all of you, and he's specifically calling out to the overseers and the deacons, the elders and the deacons. So obviously in the church in Philippi, they had both elders and deacons. First Timothy, we've been looking, of course, at the role of elders and the qualifications of elders, and now we're going to begin looking next week at the qualifications of deacons. So in First Timothy, in the church in Ephesus, you have elders And you have deacons, you have both. But what is the relationship between elders and deacons then? Why these two offices? The main difference in qualifications is that elders are to be able to teach. We saw that going through the qualifications. He is to be able to teach. This is the one 
um, really qualification that is given that has to do with some ability or skill. Though elders have the shepherding responsibility of spiritual oversight. We've been talking about that for a few weeks, overseeing the ministry of the church, and it's a shepherding responsibility. Deacons serve the church by administrating assigned areas of ministry. So you can see this trellis and vine in a sense here. Both are important. You have to have structure of ministry. You have to have ministry of the word. You have to have the growing of individuals in the body of Christ and the family of God. And Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so we have to have both of these growing at the same time. Deacons serve the church in an administrative role. It is spiritual. Like we said last week, it's not that uh, deacons take care of the physical things and elders take care of the spiritual things. Everything that we do is building up the body of Christ. Even this, the trellis work is, is ministering the spiritual work of the church. Now, all churches should have elders, but not all churches will have deacons. And we only see in the New Testament uh, the church in Philippi in the church in Ephesus that had deacons. Why is that? Because as a church grows in size and complexity, so does the workload of the ministry, and then you need more structure, thus the trellis, because the work grows, the load grows, there's more to do, you have more people. In Titus chapter 1, one of the other pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy in Titus, Paul says this, he says, for this reason, <clears throat> Titus, I left you in Crete for this purpose, that you would set in order what remains, something was not yet finished, and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. His responsibility was to look at all these cities in Crete where these small churches had been planted, and his responsibility was to make sure that they were fully functioning churches with a leadership of elders, a plurality of godly men who met the qualifications because the next thing he does in Titus is give qualifications. He does not say, we must note, I want you to appoint elders and deacons. He said, I want you to appoint elders. Elders are necessary for a fully functioning church. Deacons are not until a church gets to a place of complexity where there are too many people, many, many people. Um, the first church that I pastored, when I first time I met with uh, that Valley Bible Church, there were 18 adults. We didn't need elders and deacons. There weren't enough people. And sometimes a church of 50 or 75 or 100 and 150 needs shepherds, but they don't need deacons yet. They might just get along with volunteer organizations. Now, Valley Bible Church, this Valley Bible Church, in 2007 was kind of a, a watershed year because that's when we developed our mission statement that I'll get to in a little while. But we also um, began our life groups, and we also began talking about multi-generational ministry, and we also appointed five deacons that year, 2007. In 2015, we retooled and revamped our entire deacon team, and we appointed 10 deacons. Now, I'm not suggesting now that the, these many years later, we appoint 20 deacons. We're not really talking about that. We can always use more deacons, by the way. And just as if you would like to submit names of men that you think would qualify for the office of elder, we would also take names for those whom you think 
will qualify for the office of deacon. All I'm saying is things have grown at Valley Bible Church as we have gotten bigger, as we have more people, as the building has, has gotten larger, there is more structure, there's no, more need of the trellis to support the vine that is the people and the ministry of Valley Bible Church. So how did deacons, how did this office of deacons arise? That's where Acts 6 comes into play. And again, we're not saying and, uh, that they are deacons, but they are certainly the forerunners of deacon, and the word servant and serving is found throughout the passage. But the first thing that we see in verse 1 is this. We see the problems of growth. Where there is growth, growth, there are problems. That always happens, the problems of growth. Verse 1, now at this time, while the disciples were increasing, by the way, this is the first time in the book of Acts that the word disciples is used, and it's used a couple of times in the passage, they are doing what Jesus said to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're doing what they're told, and the disciples are increasing in number. And then a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Note that the church was growing, and as the church was growing, a problem arose. They had meteoric rise in, in, in attendance. In Acts chapter 2, you know, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to Christ. In Acts chapter 4, it says there were, the church came to, to number 5,000 men. That's not including women and children. You can easily triple that. The church in Jerusalem was probably 15,000 people plus. Oftentimes people say, well, I like small churches, and I like small churches too, because then you know everybody. I've been in a church of 18 and 30 and 15 and 17. I, I know what it's like to be in a small church where you know everybody, but you must understand that the very first church, the prototype of, of all churches, the example that we have was a megachurch, as we would call it today, of many thousands of people. In fact, in Acts 21.20, it says many thousands, in fact, the, it can be interpreted, interpreted this way, tens of thousands were part of the church. Now imagine the complexity of ministry with that many thousands of believers. And there was division in the ranks. There was a complaint against one, from one group against another. This was serious because it could split the church. This was... The, the complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews, they were both Jews. The Hellenistic Jews were those who spoke Greek. They came from a, a Greek background. They may have moved to Jerusalem from somewhere else from the, 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 the diaspora of the Jews. And they were back in Jerusalem. They came from a Greek background. The Hebrew Jews spoke Aramaic and Hebrew, probably, and they spoke Greek as well. Even the synagogues in Jerusalem were divided by Hellenistic Jews and Hebrew Jews. They were all Jews. This is not a racial thing. It's a cultural thing. It's a linguistic thing. And the, 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 the widows that were Hellenistic Jews, they didn't speak Hebrew or, or Aramaic, it appeared that there was a charge of favoritism, that the Hebrew Jews who were local Jews were being favored over them. 
because the widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. We don't know exactly what all that meant, whether they were dispersing money for them to buy food or what it exactly meant. Were they setting up tables and feeding them sandwiches? We don't know. But the problem was there was a division, and the care of widows and orphans is huge in the Scriptures. The Old Testament speaks about widows and orphans. And our deacons, by the way, we have eight deacons, and every one of them has a list of, I'm not sure, Andrew, about how many names you have, five, about five women um, that are widows or single moms, and they keep track of them, and they call them, and we, we care. We, we take this very seriously that widows are to be cared for in the church and orphans. We have a number of families, the Valley Bible Church, that are um, um, families who are adoptive parents and foster parents because we take seriously, as James said, this is true religion, that you take care of widows and orphans, and we take that seriously. So this caused a division. So here's the thing for us. With growth comes change. When children grow, they grow out of their, their shoes, right? And they grow out of their pants. Because with change comes problems. And with problems come opportunities for growth. And that's what was happening at the church in Jerusalem. And there was an opportunity for growth and continued growth, but there was a problem that they needed to get by because this had the danger of stopping that growth of the church. By the way, our growth has always been steady at Valley Bible Church. It's never been explosive, and I'm glad for that. I don't know if God just dropped 300 people on one Sunday. I don't know if we could properly shepherd them, honestly. And so that's why the trellis has grown with the, with, with the vine at Valley Bible Church. We've been able to properly shepherd those whom God brings our way. And oftentimes, we, we th- see things in the binary. We, it's either we either want quantity or quality. And some people say, well, all God cares about is quality ministry, and he doesn't care about the numbers. Do you think that's true, that God doesn't care about numbers? If we have 500 people at Valley Bible Church today, shouldn't we care that that is 500 souls that are to be shepherded? And shouldn't we care that we could add 10 more who come to Christ or 100 more? or more, whatever God would choose. Of course, the, the very bias of things is that they grow, and the very nature of the church is that we're to reach as many people as possible in this age to bring in a, a, a harvest, a bumper crop of those who will trust Christ as Savior. Of course, count, uh, of course quantity matters. And some people say, well, all, if you just take care of the quality, then the quantity will just take care of itself. That's not necessarily so. Sometimes people labor for many, many years with quality ministry, and there's never any increase. That's because it's God's business. Growth is God's business. And our main goal is always the growth of people, the vine, but we also always want to make sure that we're taking care of the trellis as as well. For instance, the the building is part of the trellis, and we're starting a building project. And and our goal, we need to minister to the people that God has given us right here today now, but we've always been a church thinking about the future, multi-generations, the next generation. And we need to plan for shepherding the people that we believe God will bring here next year and the year after that and 10 years from now. 
That's planning for growth. That's planning for the future. Planning for the future is a biblical principle throughout the scriptures. We should, as Wayne Gretzky was fond of saying, skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it was. And so we are looking to the future, and we want to be ready to take care of those whom we believe by faith and by obedience to the Great Commission and the Word of God that he's going to add to our number as he sees fit. And problems can get in the way. So what was the solution for the church in Acts? Verses 2 through 4. The solution came from the shepherds. The solution of the shepherds. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put into charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. Now we're using the word shepherds here because the twelve were the apostles and they were the shepherds at that time. They were the ones who were shepherding that many thousands of people. Later on in the book of Acts, we read that there are apostles and elders. We don't know when that happened, when they added elders to the church in Jerusalem, but most likely what happened as the the, the church grew in complexity. They realized we need more shepherds to help the 12. And so they added elders to be under shepherds in that very, very large church. But here's the lesson for us as shepherds of Valley Bible Church. Leadership requires quick and decisive action when problems arise. When problems arise, leadership requires quick and decisive action. If we are overseeing properly, if we are shepherding properly, if we are caring for the, for the, for the, the, the flock of God and we know what's happening, if we have a, a bead on the pulse of the church, we will be aware when there are problems. We need to be aware when there are problems. But we need to be responsive to those problems and act decisively to solve them like these leaders did in Jerusalem. One of the things that they did, and we must do as well, they valued... And they involved the congregation. They valued the people's point of view. They valued their input. In fact, they even gave them the responsibility. They came and said, we have a problem between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews. And it's, it's against one another and it's causing division. What do we do? So after thinking about it, and I'm sure praying about it a little bit, the 12 said, this is what we want you to do. We want you, brethren to select from among yourselves seven men. Seven men, plural in number. Why seven? Not because it's a heavenly number. They probably just thought, this is the amount of guys that we think it's going to take to get the job done. There's nothing about that. By the way, there's no command here for us to have seven deacons uh, and that there should be some number. This is what we call descriptive versus prescriptive. We see many things in narrative literature that just describe what's going on. And it doesn't say, thou shalt have seven deacons in every church. It's not a prescription. We can learn principles from this and we can see how they responded. But this is not something that we have to follow uh, exactly. What were they concerned with? They were concerned with qualifications. Qualifications. Next week, we're going to look at the qualifications 
of deacons in 1 Timothy. But uh, Luke gives us in Acts 6 just a couple of qualifications that they were looking for and what, that they told the congregation. First of all, men of good reputation. Men of good reputation, just like elders had to have a good reputation outside the church we saw in 1 Timothy 3, they were looking for men of good reputation probably within the congregation. Men who were known. Men who were known for what? Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Spirit-filled, spirit-directed, godly men who are spiritually minded. Not just men, but godly men. Men who exhibited the presence of God's Spirit in their lives, the fruit of the Spirit, by their knowledge and their application of the Word of God. They knew the Word of God and they did the Word of God and it was evident in their lives. And these are the kind of men that they were to choose. He didn't say, choose seven carpenters, plumbers, engineers, accountants, chefs, etc. He didn't say that. He wasn't concerned about... um, what they were able to do, what was the number one thing? was their character. What kind of men were they? And that should be the case with every area of leadership of Valley Bible Church. The number one qualification is for someone to serve. What is their character? Are they godly? Are they seeking the face of God? Are they walking with him? Are they confessing and forsaking sin? Is there evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? Are they full of wisdom? and godliness. That is what they were looking for amongst those men. And also, they would have been willing and eager to serve because he said, I want you to choose these men from among yourselves and bring them forward, which is what they did. So obviously, when they found these seven men, however they found them, we don't know. And we don't know how they selected them, but the congregation did so, so we can't derive anything from that other than that the fact that the congregation was involved in the process and the shepherds saw that. But when they brought them, they must have been willing and eager to serve because they asked them and they came. And by the way, serving tables was something that involves organization and administration. Um, I don't think we're talking about these seven men sending up ta- setting up tables and handing out sandwiches to the widows. If there were at least fifteen to 20,000 people in the church, how many widows do you think they had? Probably a few hundred. Probably a few hundred. So what they were most likely doing is they were handling finances, they were recruiting others, they were organizing, and they were delegating this process of feeding the widows, which may have been, part of it might have been handing out food, part of it might have been handing out money, but they were organizing and recruiting and, and deploying others to do this. So there may have been 70 people that helped the seven. We don't know. But I'm certain they had a team that was working, of volunteers. But the priority of the shepherds had to remain. The priority of the shepherds was prayer in the ministry of the word. They said it twice in this passage. But we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. This does not suggest in any way that serving tables was beneath them. That's not what this means. Because what did Jesus tell them? What did he teach the 12 to be servants? And what did he do? He got down on his knees and he cleaned and washed their dirty feet. And he said, this is how you are to serve one another and how you are to serve others. So he gave them that example of servanthood and humble servanthood. 
It's just this. The 12 had been specifically given a different role and a different task. Not that they were better than the deacons, they had a different role. So you have the trellis and you have the vine, you have the structure that the deacons have a spiritual ministry, but the role and the priorities of the shepherds had to stay the same. Prayer and the ministry of the word, and we see that for our elders as well. And what about the response then of the people? How did this turn out? Verses 5 and 6. The response of the people. The statement that they should do this found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose these men. Doesn't tell, we don't know how they did it. We don't know if they took nominations. If, it was, if they had a, maybe they went by the, the current polls. You know, who was highest in the polls. But the, 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 the best ratings. I don't know what they did. But they chose Stephen. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip. By the way, those two men, uh, what happens to Stephen in the next chapter? Stephen preaches this long sermon that takes you all the way from Genesis to the resurrection of Christ. This incredible sermon, and they so hate him that they stone him to death. He was not just a carpenter. He was not just someone who worked with his hands and did administrative work. He was a man of faith and a man of the Spirit and a preacher of the word. And Philip was an evangelist. He's in the next few chapters. Philip was a man who went out and was preaching Christ, and people were coming to Christ. So we see that there's much more involved here than than just being involved in some administrative role. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, and these they brought before the apostles, And after praying, they laid their hands on them. So the apostle said, here's the problem. Congregation, bring us seven men who meet these qualifications, and we'll put them in charge of this. Congregation gets together somehow, we do not know. They choose these seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and they bring them to the 12 apostles, and they pray for them. Notice how often prayer is mentioned in this passage. And they commission them to the task. The elders commissioned them to the task. So you see the the cooperation of the congregation and the shepherds of the church in Jerusalem to solve this problem together. By the way, they all had Greek names. These are all Greek names. So all of them spoke Greek, probably these men as well as Hebrew and Aramaic, so that there would be no language problems between them. The seven, the seven, were chosen As a body. In other words, they were a team that worked together to complete the task. It wasn't one man doing this and another man doing this and another man doing this. They worked as a team, and team ministry is important for us at Valley Bible Church. We have a shepherding team, we have a deacon team, and we work together as teams. So they had their seven. We are better. We went up to them. We have eight. The Valley Bible Church. So here are our deacons. And if, if our deacons, if any of you guys are here, I want you to stand. I think we have at least one. Andrew, are you the only one here? We had others. I know we got two guys out of town. So Andrew Burnett, you know, he's first uh, in alphabetical order too. So here are our deacons. Andrew Burnett, Daryl Lambert, Greg Lancaster, Nate Riggin, Larry Shockey, Dave Sutton, Ken Turnbull, Mike Wachowicz. Would you give them a hand of applause?
their role is much more than just fixing things around Valley Bible Church. Each of their roles provides the structure and removes obstacles to growth so that the vine that is Valley Bible Church can flourish and grow and that we can reach more people and bring more people to to maturity because they're doing spiritual work. Sometimes it's administrative, but it is all spiritual. And I know that each and every one of them, because I know their hearts, they're men of gratitude, they're men of uh, of humble humility, and they have servant hearts to, to serve the church that is Valley Bible Church. Just this last, um, recently, I can just call a couple guys out. Daryl had to step in for Larry, who's been out of town, and, and he's just had a, quite a few things that have, that have come up for him to take care of this building. Uh, Greg Lancaster, if you went to the Lighting the Path, pretty much most of those lights he wired out there because he's a master electrician. But he's out there in the cold doing that. Why? Because he loves the people of Valley Bible Church, and the gospel, and the ministry. Nate Riggin is a, is a um, uh, an accountant, and he has his own practice, and he's a busy, 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 busy man. But yet he finds time. He just put together our budget for us, and uh, I, we have such such gratitude for his competence and those things. There, that that trellis, that structure that helps us as as shepherds to be able to focus on prayer and the ministry of the word instead of getting uh, our ball lost in the weeds talking about this number here and that number there. So grateful for you guys. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate each and every one of you. But you know what? We are all servants. We are all servants, not just deacons. They have an office called servant. But we are all servants. And just as the qualifications for elders can be applied to every one of us, we saw that every man should love his wife, every man should take care of his children, every man should be free of addictions, every man should not be greedy, etc., etc., and every woman as well. But just as qualifications of elders can be applied to all, so can the servanthood of our deacons, because we are all deacons. Jesus said this in Matthew 20, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. and To give his life as a ransom for many. What greater love, what greater service is there that one would lay down his life for us to serve us? And that's the model for each and every one of us at Valley Bible Church to serve one another and to serve the church, to be part of the trellis, to be part of the vine, to do our part. I mentioned the Valley Bible Church mission statement. And here it is. As we proclaim biblical truth, we cultivate relationships that are intimate with Christ, active in the church, and loving the community. We proclaim biblical truth. We're never going to stop doing that. When I was a young pastor in my first church, we went to visit some friends in California, and there was a church nearby that was having a church growth seminar, and I signed up for it. And I went in there, and the first day the guy said, if you are a church that preaches expositional sermons, you're going to die. Because he said, expositional sermons are out. They're not going to work anymore. That was the church growth movement. You can't preach the Bible. It's boring. People don't want the Bible. 
They want stories. They want feel-good stories, and they want, you know, topical things, you know, seven ways to make your hair stand up. I don't know what it is, you know, five secrets to money and three whatever. And uh, that's the way the church growth movement went. It's all about draw them in by music and draw them in by, you know, the pastor wears the skinny jeans and all that. And if we're not going to do that because I'll just, we'll stop our growth if I we start that kind of stuff. <laughs> But we are going to stick with the Bible. We are going to proclaim biblical truth. And we're going to teach people the big words. Like justification, you are justified by faith in Christ. And reconciliation, you are dead and you are an enemy and you are now reconciled. And sanctification, it is the growth in holiness. One of the greatest, biggest mega churches in the United States here is how they describe Jesus as Lord and Savior. They don't use the word Lord and Savior. They call him your leader and forgiver. Because Lord and Savior is too religious. I'm sorry. A Lord, the Lord is not a leader. He is, he is the sovereign God of the universe. He's over all things. He's the Lord the eternal God who sits in the heavens. He is Lord of all. He's not just a leader. And he's more than just a forgiver because you can be a forgiver of your friend. No, Savior means the one who died for you. Savior means the one who died and rose again. And so we will proclaim biblical truth because we live in a time where people don't know what truth is. But as we do that, we're, we want to cultivate relationships because we want people to grow on the vine, not die on the vine. We want them to grow in their relationship with Christ, deep and intimate and broad, to grow in godliness and Christ-likeness, to become like him in every way. And that is our mission as a church. And to be active in the church, and to be active in the church doesn't just mean to attend church. It means to be the church. You can attend a concert. You can attend a school. You can attend a, a game. We don't attend church. We are the church, ladies and gentlemen. We are the family of God. We come here to worship. And church is not something that is just what we attend. If you are a part of Valley Bible Church and you call this your home, then we believe in every member ministry. Everyone is a servant. Everyone has a place. We've called out Phyllis Morgan this morning because she is such a, a, a quintessential servant and an example to each and every one of us and should encourage us. And we always have a need for more servant volunteers at Valley Bible Church. And I encourage you, if you do not yet have a place of service, to find that. I mean, we have Tons of volunteers. We have a lot of volunteers that, that volunteer in one, two, three, four, five places, and they stretch themselves really thin. But even if just everybody in this room took on one responsibility as a volunteer, we would never need to be asking for more volunteers. And as it turns out, we mentioned last week, in the foyer this morning, there's a table where there are places where you can serve, and I encourage you, to look at that table. Where can you serve? What? This is your church. These are your people. We are all servants, and I encourage you to find that place to serve. Someone asked me recently, uh, you know, through the, the questions about elders, you know, well, why do you need more elders? Why do we need more elders? To lighten the load. 
as a church grows in complexity and the load of ministry gets heavier, um, we, need, we need shepherds, we need deacons. But we're also preparing for the future. It's, we're not just preparing for elders for this year and next year. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, young men coming up. That's why we have the men's leadership initiative and our fire teams because we want men to grow up in the faith and to become leaders in the church because we want to be a multi-generational church that is planning for down the road, not just next week. And that's true for deacons and every other ministry of of Valley Bible Church. And so I encourage you to find your place of ministry. This is how we are to function and grow. What was the outcome in Acts? What was the outcome? Verse 7 tells us the outcome was the blessings of God. God blessed. God brought blessings that maybe they did not even understand would come. Verse 7 says, the word of God kept on spreading because they were proclaiming biblical truth. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, this church, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. When growth needs are met adequately and problems are solved, The ministry of the word is unhindered and further growth ensues. The blessing of God was continued growth. And it's always God who brings the growth, isn't it? Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. God's the one who brought the the growth. And if God brings growth to Valley Bible Church, so be it. But let's get out of the way. Let's provide the trellis so that the vine can grow. And when God does provide that growth, it's in response to unity and faith and obedience and prayer and people keeping the mission and serving. They increased greatly. Here are six things that I found probably were the result of this. Maybe you could count more. Uh, Number one, the physical and spiritual needs of the widows of the church were met. The problem was solved, right? The very thing that that, that came up as a problem, they solved that. Second of all, the church was unified. They were in danger of perhaps imploding because there were people against one another and now they were unified and they were no longer divided on these cultural and linguistic lines. Third, new structure for ministry was added. The trellis was helping to support the vine and the growth of the church. The shepherds were freed up to more prayer and more ministry of the word because they didn't have to deal with problems as they came up. Christ's disciples multiplied as the church grew in numbers, many more thousands, most likely. And notice this last one. Former opponents to the gospel came to Christ. Did you notice the last part of verse 7? A great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. They were the the biggest enemies of the gospel, the ones who stoned Stephen. And yet some of them were coming to faith in Christ. God honors unity. God honors prayer. God honors his word. And God honors the service of his people. So the trellis and the vine, we see it again. We are the church growing. We have the trellis it's necessary 
We have the vine, that's the purpose of the trellis. Structure, organization, administration, buildings, all those things, they facilitate. We always remember our main purpose is the growth of people. Father, thank you for your word. And as we see the the genesis of deacons in the New Testament, we're grateful for the way that you sovereignly worked in this church in Jerusalem. And as we think of us as a vine, we pray that we would bear fruit. Just as growing grapes, the more the better. That's the case in the church as well. We want to see you bring people to faith in Jesus Christ so that you would be glorified. And so, Father, we pray that we would be unified, people of prayer, people of the word, and people of service. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen.